Hello there. I'm Austin Brisso, and you're listening to On The List. For episode 28 on Tuesday, October 12th, I'm joined by Pitchless writer Alexander Chase. Alexander, thank you for joining me. You know, Austin, it is pretty good to be here. I don't think any of us have anything more important than playoff baseball otherwise to do. So, yeah, it's it's a great night to just hang out. I mean, as an avid Atlanta Braves fan, uh, you can see I am currently decked out in my uh, children's extra large uh, jersey, got my cap on, and... While we are recording, I have the game muted on my phone as I'm just kind of keeping a, keeping one of my eyes over there, making sure things don't get too out of hand. Yeah, I, um, I'll admit our rundown has like moved behind the game feed in my tabs. So, no, you're not the only one. Don't worry. Good stuff. Well, as of right now, for those of you who might be interested, the Braves and Brewers are in the bottom of the seventh, tied at four runs apiece. Luke Jackson just came in and is facing Rowdy Telez. But you're here to listen to me talk to Alex. So if you haven't listened before, I am joined by a writer from the Pitcher List staff. We talk baseball, talk about what they've been working on recently, and we like to do a mailbag session at the end where we answer your questions. You can send those questions directly to me on Twitter. I am at Bristowski, or even better, you can hop into our Pitcherless Plus Discord server where I ask for questions every time before the episode records. Now, Alex, where can the people find you on Twitter? Um... My handle is at chase underscore rate. I have a little bit of disdain for whoever has held on to the underscore free account, but it, it, it's fine. I promise. It's it's fine. That is a very nice baseball-centric Twitter account that also is your name. That's so good. No, I, I don't really actually talk about anyone's chase rate that often, and I feel like I ought to, but like... I'm kind of scared to do it too much because, you know, I feel like people would just block me. <laughs> I mean, there are definitely people who would appreciate the pun. And then there are those who are, you know, avid pun haters. So there you go. Yeah. No, you, you really got to watch out for them. I, and I understand it sometimes, but not always. All righty. Well, well, we're here tonight to, you know, get to know the man behind the byline. So, Start you off with a nice open-ended question here. Just tell us a bit about yourself. Um, well, I don't actually like long walks on the beach all that much. Um, I know everyone kind of does, uh, but sand's really hard to walk in. Um, You're not wrong. I don't know. I've... <laughs> I don't Immediate know. tangent. I'm sorry. When was the last time you tried walking on a beach? It's annoying. Um, yeah. I, I feel like those kind of like get to know you questions are always very strange um, because it's like, what's your agenda? Do you want to know me for like the networking sort of things? Or do you just kind of want to like get to know me? And I think there's no way, better way to get to know me than me offering something like that. Cause that's really what my, my priorities are. So yeah, no, I've, I've been in, um, I've been writing for a picture list for, um, oh, this is like the second season that I've covered something for them. It's like going on um, about exactly two years since I like, first emailed in and said hey can i do some stuff and yeah um i i'm kind of like a weird no man's land sort of like baseball fan and that like i grew up in like middle of nowhere adjacent dallas area texas and uh that was 
at least 90 minutes, if not two hours away from Arlington, where the Rangers play, which is, a, to my entire childhood, a terrible place to watch baseball because it was 100 degrees and they were bad. Yep. Um, not a great combination. Really not a great combination. <laughs> um, so I've never really felt at home cheering for any one team. Um, and I kind of just got into all of this because, uh, you know, I, I was bored at work a lot and I wanted to play some fantasy baseball. I've been kind of playing it on and off for a while, but I kind of got a whole lot more serious a couple of years ago when I realized that um, it's not that hard to be more into it than just reading ESPN ranks. And um, I was teaching math at the time. And if you can teach high school math, you can probably do a lot of the stuff that people do who get paid to do this. So I was like, hey, what if I tried harder? Um, and so I stopped trying harder at my job and I started trying a whole lot harder at fantasy baseball. And I haven't really won that many leagues as a result of it, but I have had a whole lot of fun and realized that a lot of the things people do are kind of dumb. And that's led to a whole lot of just yelling into the void and having a great time doing it. So, yeah, um, I have done a couple like really, really in-depth going deep and then some articles on some stuff. Um, my favorite one that I've done probably was one where I like just went after the ESPN player Raider because it's bad. Oh and boy. I was having a lot of fun with that. So that, uh... I've done a handful of other things since then. Um, but you know, I think the ongoing, it's not just fun to kind of like screw around with numbers. It's much more fun to like just screw around in the discord server and then throw out a number in between the things. It's kind of been more of my priority of late. Yeah. Uh, this year I wrote about relievers, which I found a whole lot of fun because it's like the sample sizes are so awful and small that you can't actually know anything. So it's kind of very comforting to just know that it's okay to be only about 51% right at all times. And uh, yeah, I've had a couple other projects simmering up. I'm sure we'll talk about them later. So yeah, I'm based in Washington, D.C. also, which is a really weird place to be a baseball fan because everyone here in D.C. Um, is a transplant, basically. That's like, you know... Not, not not literally everyone. There's actually a huge DC population that's like actually from here, and like there is a really interesting local culture. That's not just all the political transplants. It's just that most of the people I know are the political transplants who sure. like are Cubs fans or Giants fans or a lot of Mets fans. Actually, very very sad for them to kind of <laughs> be able to come here and watch the Mets lose, which is just sad all around. Um, so yeah, I know it's it, it's it's been really fun to kind of like get a feet wet in a lot of different ways somewhat adjacent to this industry good stuff yeah i um i remember reading your the espn player raider is bad article and it really threw a wrench in how i up to that point had gone about valuing fantasy baseball players and so that has uh i've ne i've not really found a good way to resolve that it's just i'm like well now what sort of thing <laughs> i feel like i've had this like ongoing like cycle of things that i kind of get mostly into mostly fix and then don't publish the full fixed results of and i need to like get over that and like actually publish some more finished results but like <laughs> um like so like the thing that i think really pulled me into the industry um is i was playing in this um Actually, I'm going to back this up one more step because it's more ridiculous than that. Um, I didn't have like a group of friends that cared enough about baseball to have like an ongoing active enough to care about fantasy league in college. Sure. So like, I don't have like a lot of other people do a good home league. Um, and I was like doing like a auction mock draft 
uh, a couple years ago and one of the guys in in like the espn mock draft lobby like messaged me it's like hey i like an actual keeper league that i need a person for it do you want to join and i was like yeah why not so i did um From and the league lobby. was really eccentric and really weird and had some like really good rules and some really bad people in it and I got really into it because, like, the team I had taken over was really bad, but it had Shohei Otani, which is really fun. Um, and because of its weird format, it had, like, a required designated hitter, like, spot. And, like, oh, it was, like, a weird six by six. Like, there were no good resources specific to how to value players in that league. So I was like, how do you actually do that? So I, like, Googled, like, how do you do, like, basically, how do you make the Fangraphs auction calculator? I realized later on. And so I taught myself how to make the Fangraphs auction calculator in, like, Microsoft Excel. It takes much longer to do that than clicking a button, I will say, if you're not very good at Excel like I was at that point. Um, and I got a bunch of results, and it's like, oh, this stuff's not that hard, and most people suck at this stuff. And, but, yeah, it's like most people kind of just result, re, re, assume that someone else's work is good enough and kind of get by on it and, like, enjoy something more fun than, like, crunching numbers from projections, which is not the most fun thing to do. So, like, when I say most people suck at it, I'm like, good would be good at something else yeah. um but you know that was kind of like the thing that got me into this is like oh if i can do this and then i can take someone else's work and apply it through this i probably have something worth saying even if i don't know anything at all about what actually makes you good at swinging a bat or throwing a baseball uh and that's kind of how i got into all this uh, is that leak where that person messaged me um i had never won it and <laughs> earlier this year um the commissioner kicked out the guy who was in first place because he got annoyed by his trade offers and i quit as well i was in second and uh, yeah so I, I actually finished this year without like a league that i like really cared about uh, of wow. any sort so uh, we're gonna see how that changes going into next offseason that's wild wow so some random league was how you kind of got started in really caring about you know how to properly play fantasy baseball, etc., and then the commissioner turns out just did a bad, and you're like, nope. Yeah, like that was like early September. Like I was like, oh my gosh, it was like the season was over. Yeah, no, like uh, actually, the guy who was in first um, recently joined the PL Discord. Like that night, I was like, hey, you should join PL, and he did. Um, so he's a good dude. Um, and I've actually been uh, DMing Sean like my like picks that I'm going to make like ahead of time for a lot of the PL drafts. Like, like that's where my cue is. Is in his Discord DM because uh, like he has he has opinions uh, and I think they're mostly fun uh, and chaotic at times. But more importantly, I just enjoyed talking with him because we've been kind of like the two black sheep of that league for like a year and a half. And uh, yeah, here we are. Um, that's wild. So. Yeah, you know, I think the, the big thing about it is that um, because there is just no way to possibly think that anything I was doing there would carry over anywhere else, and because I thought I should be good at this, I should be good at this. The fact that I like screwed up really magnificently in some fun ways, you know, like remember last year when Otani like had ten earned runs in like two innings before like getting shut down for the season. Yeah, I started him and everyone else who was bad and like the first two weeks of the season in the oh, shortened buddy. season and like it was just my season was over <laughs> and i was like doesn't matter how much i know about who's gonna be good at baseball i'm in dead last for era for the rest of the year uh it was just freeing beautiful um and i will say just like the ongoing being just bad enough that you can just enjoy baseball has been so so fun 
Um, cause like I should be able to be good at this. The, the pitching staff I left behind in that league was just stupid. Good. Um, and like fourth, <laughs> Never Brutal. cause I just couldn't manage it for some reason. So yeah, I mean like caring about baseball versus caring about fantasy are just two slightly different things sometimes. And the more and more I get closer to like caring about baseball, the more fun I have because, um, being good with losing is, it's fun. So, Typically, the next question I ask folks is, who is your favorite team? Uh, you don't have one. Uh, what is it like being a baseball fan that doesn't have like a strict affiliation? So I should 49% correct the record and say that I'm nominally an Orioles fan. Um, I moved to Baltimore in 2018. Um, so I have not actually been to a single game at Camden Yards where the Orioles were favored to win. Um, it's probably not true, actually. I went to a game earlier this year where uh, John Means was pitching against the Rangers, and uh, they lost that game, to be clear. Oh, no. um, it, it was the last week of the season. It was a good loss. It helped them get the number one pick. I don't actually, like, I didn't... <laughs> So when I say good at lo- good with losing, like I'm 51% good with losing some of the times. The thing is, like, I kind of just picked them because I was moving there. I didn't have a team, and I knew that Camden Yards was fun to go to, and I was going to live near it. Um, That's fair. There have been a lot of fun players to follow for the Orioles. It's just also really sad to be, you know, a nominal fan of a team that is tanking because its ownership doesn't want to spend any money. So like. If I had to like pick a team without any geographic reason to, to to like pick a team, I wouldn't pick the Orioles. They'd actually be pretty low down my list of teams to like want to cheer for, because like they just don't appear to be building a product that like their fans are have an obligation to cheer for, regardless of those sorts of things. I don't know how many teams actually are like worth cheering for in that sense. It's kind of sad. Yeah, I'm <laughs> like, trying to think of like if I was starting from scratch. I still have my knowledge about all the teams and, you know, star players, history, how their management and ownership does things. I'm trying to think who would be my go-to. Like, Toronto comes to mind? Yeah, for sure. Let's do this the other way around. Who do we eliminate easily? Easily eliminate the Yankees. um, Easily eliminate uh, the Marlins. And... No, actually, I don't know that I would hate being a Maryland fan. I think they may be my top half. Okay. But okay. I, I think that you've probably got some history there with some probably very, very annoying losses to them while they've been bad, though. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to try to go, like, west to east teams. Like, I could never imagine being a fan of. Like, I would, could never be a fan of the Angels. Yeah, um, that's fair. I could probably never be a fan of the Rockies. Like, mm-hmm. easily bottom tier probably couldn't be a diamondbacks fan but i'm not 100 sure about. couldn't be a rangers fan i know i once tried didn't happen um let's see i probably couldn't be a cubs fan because i just don't think i have the personality for that um, fair. It, it takes a certain personality yeah um, certain kind of temperament i couldn't be a pirates fan if i if i didn't have to be a pirates fan just because like have you seen the pirates um <laughs> I think there's some charm to like the pre Cohen Mets, but I don't think I could do it the Mets personally. Though I do madly respect actual Mets fans, and like I get it. We all respect Mets fans. I actually have to think, and here, here's the craziest thing: I think one of the easiest teams to probably root for as a fan is probably the Washington Nationals. And I was not a Nationals fan 
like before they won the World Series. So I don't think I can call myself one for at least a little while longer. We'll see. Um, I actually went to a ton of Nats games that year. They won the World Series because, you know, it's like I moved to D.C. in the middle that year. Yeah. Um, actually went to two Patrick Corbin starts in the last week of the season of 2019. And those are the last two regular season starts of his career that he's been good. So <laughs> I I think... I think I will probably formally call myself a national fan at the end of the end of next season. If I, if I'm still living here in DC, which I hope I am. And uh, they're still, you know, kind of mostly the same wealthy enough, committed enough to winning and, you know, generally not hateable team that they currently are. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel mean, like a really good option is Milwaukee. Like it's wish- hard not to be a Brewers fan. I wish their ownership was a little bit less cheap, but also I don't think they're the absolute worst. And I think part of that is just literally the fact that the central division lets you be cheap. I feel like. But they they actively try to win. They They have a gorgeous ballpark. If you ever get Mm -hmm. the chance, uh, Lone Depot is great. Um, Yeah. Milwaukee is a solid group. Um, one of my uh, former coworkers in my college paper is their social media guy, actually, or is on their social media team. Uh, and uh, he was uh, yeah, uh, Ezra Siegel. He's uh, the, he was the sports editor at the Daily Texan, University of Texas at Austin. And uh, yeah, he's now in their social department. And he seems like he just has a, a blast producing all their content. So That's wild. Um, I've been following him, so I've been following all their content for a while. And uh, I will say one of the funnest games I ever went to at Knott's Park was like a, a mid-August 2019 sunday day game against the brewers um i got tickets like through someone like right behind the brewers dugout and nice. all of like the traveling brewers fans who are like yeah we just go to a bunch of games every year who are like sitting there we're just so cool so yeah no i really enjoy that and then that's just smoked them and that was also i think one of the last games <laughs> talking about people getting hurt and being bad um that was one of the last games that christian yelich was like healthy for and still like mvp level um yeah he was like one for four or something like that and it was it was a weird game <laughs> so but yeah i think the brewers i would probably be my top third um so the nats would probably be my top third um the mariners i think would probably be my top third i actually still like seattle was the first baseball game i went to i wasn't there for a little there for a while before moving i grew up with like a seattle erod poster in my room which is really funny to me now (laughs) um you know if it weren't for the whole cheating scandal i'd probably be an Astros fan actually yeah that's fair yeah that's fair yeah i think post cheating scandal it's hard to be an Astros fan I have to, a lot of a lot of friends who are from Houston who have been like Astros fans since before they made um, the World Series way back in the day, like Killer Bees children Astros, like, the, like NL Central Astros fans. Yeah, like Maroon Crimson Astros fans, like like Craig Biggio Astros fans. Um, I actually will say the first baseball game that I ever remember excitingly paying attention to, like. I really remember this game was listening on the radio to uh, that like trillion inning long Astros Braves um, NLDS NLCS question mark a game from like 2005 before the Astros made the World Series. Do you, do you have memory of that game? I don't. Uh, I didn't get into baseball until I was in my teens. Like I didn't get into it properly sort of thing. So that is uh 
despite the fact that I am a year older than you, uh, that is before my baseball time. Okay. So this is, I have looked it up and I can get this on the record. Correct. October 9th, actually, uh, 2005 is an 18 inning, uh, game four of the NLDS. So we are like right on the anniversary, but a little bit past it. Yeah. I remember I was at baseball practice and we put it on and we were like in like the seventh on the radio at the end of my baseball practice and it just kept kept going going. yeah that's wild Um, yeah so like uh you know i i went to an astros game you know my family was like visiting from houston from from dallas at some point around that time so i had like one of those little like uh dipping dots helmets um from the astros around that time and you know i did not live where they would be on my local tv but if i had like they were good then and I, i would be an astros fan and then in college you know um, like the how many Altuve's online period, like I had so many friends who were Astros fans. My uh, my sophomore year of college, my roommate was a huge watch every game sort of guy. I have a lot of friends who still are, and um, you know I I cover the Astros for like pitcherless postseason because I just know that I am probably the closest you can get to someone who doesn't hate them. <laughs> because the truth is, like if. It weren't for that. Okay, here's my one of my many like just nuclear weird opinions because I don't have like all this institutional like grew up watching baseball all the time like opinions. It's like I probably think everyone else is also cheating like them. They were probably in the upper quarter in terms of results and they were not very good at not getting caught, like extremely bad at not getting caught. Um, we know that the Red Sox also also cheated in a similar way and just got way less benefit out of it. We've heard rumblings the Yankees have done it. I would be shocked if 20 to 25 out of the MLB teams are not trying to do something the same thing. And here's my like super dumb nuclear take here is that the Rays are probably better than everyone else and not getting caught. <laughs> and yeah, it, I generally think that like the Astros are essentially the Rays if they had payroll uh, in terms of like the things they try to do. So I don't know. I, I feel like that's my like platonic ideal of a team that just like does all the smart things and pays a lot of money for people to play for them. That, that's what I would want. Yeah. It's unfortunately, just kind of uncouth to cheer for them. So I yeah, don't I mean, cheer for them. I mean, if you go back to 2016, 2017, um, before the scandal had gone public, the Astros kind of MO, their reputation was of a very smart analytics driven organization that has drafted fantastic players and developed them well that sounds like the rays nowadays and yeah. so yeah it's it's amazing how quickly the kind of public impression of the entire organization has completely shifted i i think also really central to kind of the way that i see them is how they as like a front office handled the entire Marcel, uh, not Marcel Azuna, no, the uh, Asuna. No. Yeah, uh, o- Osuna. Um, yeah, what, what is his first? He has been out of baseball, so I don't have to know this Roberto. Roberto, Roberto Osuna. Asuna, yeah. Um, I, fun fact, remember that, that fantasy league that I told you about earlier? Um, I was driving during one of our auctions, and I had my girlfriend telling me prices and telling and i would give her like a here's a limit on what i want to bid for a player and she said asuna and i thought she said ozuna and so i got 15 dollar roberto osuna in 2020 um Ooh. 
I mean, whatever. I dropped I dropped him literally like right after the draft. I was like, nope, I don't want to own that player. Ooh. And little did I know, I didn't want to own. I am terrible. Anyways, um, but yeah, no, the, the follow up from how they handled all of that was kind of like telling of everything. And, you know, it, it's kind of a sad reality that like if you run a baseball team like a business and you run it like, you know, like like a venture capital firm, right? You're going to do a lot of the really, really smart things about building a good team. And if you also spend a lot of money, you can win some World Series and make five consecutive American League championship series. It's just that also you might attract a lot of really terrible people who do a lot of really amoral things. Um, And that's kind of a hard thing to reckon with as like a baseball fan who cares a lot about those sort of things. Yeah, it's... It's a... not easy to be a uh, morally considerate baseball fan nowadays. Yeah, yeah. How does it feel to cheer for the only team that is publicly traded? It's odd. Um, I, I, I mean, if you if you if you know any Packers fans, you you know it's it's kind of almost similar. But the, they're at least the nice thing for y'all most... is that like you your team has a direct financial incentive to win at all times. Correct. Um, and there's no way to just kind of pocket the profits in the same way. So I imagine there's not ever going to be a true Braves tank. Also, y'all did that really smart thing where you kind of were like half tanking for a while, but you were like taking on payroll for like to prospects. That's what I mean. It's like it wasn't a true tank where you just bought them out, never pay any money. Like that's how y'all acquired Dansby Swanson is you just took on someone else's money. I think, yeah, that was Diamondbacks, right? And you got Swanson too. Um, which no Swanson we, was when we we completely fleeced the Diamondbacks. We traded them. Shelby oh, Miller. that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yo, I remember you. Y'all Shelby got someone Miller, else though that way. Hayward is we traded Hayward to the um, to the. It was something along the lines of we got Shel- we traded Hayward for Shelby Miller. And then mm-hmm. we traded Shelby Miller for Swanson and Enciarte and a couple others. And it was completely lopsided deal. Um, but it's the, the uh, those days were uh, dark for Braves fans. I'm trying to pull up what our uh, record was as... We're moving on now to the bottom of the eighth. Oh God, I haven't even been checking the score because I was like too Still busy. Still four to four as uh, oh. as Lorenzo Kane, who smashed into a wall last night. We weren't even sure he was going to play. Flies out to the warning track to end the top of the eighth. But yeah, those uh those days weren't fun per se. Um, but the team that we have now is. Uh, worth it i for sure i i think the big differentiation that i like to make between like how i could imagine cheering for an atlanta team versus like the deal with the current orioles is the orioles like had like a 27 million dollar payroll this year once you scratch out um you know the 26 million dollars to the certain retired former first baseman um who is a great dude by the way chris davis uh i am very happy that he's got his bag and i'm very happy for him um but like the difference between like the Orioles and what you see a lot of wealthy teams that have been bad doing is that like they're just not accelerating the process at all by spending extra money. And like right. if I have to sum up like my, my entirety of what I want from a team and what I would do if I was going to pick at random or not really at random, you know, is I want a team that's like 
not a rod minded in terms of like weird old schoolisms that I just have no affinity for. And, you know, like, is willing to kind of like do all of the things necessary to help its players get better and acquire good talent, but also like actually believes that it has an obligation to spend all of the money that it takes in and then some rather than just like seeing how cheaply they can run or how much they can pocket things. Like I am just sold on how bad the Rays are as an organization in this weird way that I don't think most people are. I really, really was satisfied to see them lose and I hope they lose every single year until they stop pocketing the extra money off the top. Like they're they're run like a hedge fund or whatever else. You know, like the whole point is just to like see how little you can put in, see how much you can take out. Um and the fact that they're doing all this innovative baseball stuff is is a side effect. Um, yeah, that's me. true. And I I'll be honest, the the half home games in Montreal, half home games God. in Tampa is one of the worst ideas I've seen in a while. That is the sort of thing that I would have expected in like the 1980s Coke binge hedge fund era and not something that I can like really believe is happening in 2021. Yeah, it's that's that's I don't think that's going to go over well for the most part. It seems like a kind of ridiculous decision. You know, either either if, commit to to moving the team or don't. If this sport wasn't run by Robert Manfred, the league would have already shut it down. Like there's no way the NBA lets that happen. Yeah, <laughs> like, obviously, right? Yeah. So absolutely, anyways. I did get the uh, Braves uh, tank years, uh, 2014 through 2017. In 14, we had a 488 record or 488 winning percentage. Wait, wait uh, can you just give me the number of wins each of these years? Oh yeah, of course. Uh, 79 wins in 14, 67 wins in 15, 68 in 16. 72 in 17 and then in 18 we won 90 games when round Acuna jr was rookie of the year and brian snicker was manager of the year okay so 70 or for me like wins was roughly like the worst they got then? Se- 67 and 6 and 68 were back to back in 15 and 16 okay so just like for reference then the the marlins this year won 67 games huh. um that is nowhere near the bottom in terms of like how bad that's things fair. can be. Baltimore won 52. That sort of then the Diamondbacks, uh, the Pirates and the Rangers both won 60 and 61. Actually, got that flip back into an order, but you know, Pirates 61, Rangers 60. So then we had a bunch of other teams who were like in the low 60s, upper seven, like mid 70s sort of range. Um, but like when I say like true, true, true tank, I really mean the sort of like. An affront to the idea of wearing the team's like gear in public level of bad, not the sort of we're just not going to sign any free agents kind of bad that I think that the Marlins currently are like the the Orioles are doing things that are like playing double A guys that are 26 years old and like trying to set records for ERA in the wrong way. So I don't think that that's the sort of comparison I should be caring enough to like put out there and saying, no, your, your tanking is not real <laughs> tanking. Right. Cause like one, who the heck needs to gatekeep that? And two, like, why do you need to lose that many games? It doesn't actually help you in that's any fair. meaningful way. It is just a way to pocket another $40 million. You don't get, your team does not get better for that reason. So that's um, the reason why, like when I say that I am nominally an Orioles fan, I'm a Camden Yards fan. That's fair. And I am a team aesthetic fan. The not the, like the the natural bird versus the cartoon board beautiful logo oh yeah there's some cartoon logos that are pretty good 
it is a cheap place to go to. And you know what? Other Orioles fans, generally, if you're like kind of like aware of how dumb the team kind of is in terms of his ownership, good people. So I, I'm happy to affiliate myself loosely and whatever I probably can kind of take over fandom of another team for like a real reason. I, I mentally will because I just don't think I can stick around for a team that's owned and run this way because it's bad. You know, saying that uh, Orioles fans are good people is uh, might be a bit of a stretch. There's this guy fast. I don't know if you know him. Uh, I don't. Just, just I don't actually. Bad, bad. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Uh, pop quiz for you. In the 23 seasons between 1991 and 2013 for the Atlanta Braves, how many seasons did Atlanta have a record below 500? 1991 to 2013. So you gave me four, right? That was four between that. That was that started in uh, fifteen. This is bef- this is before that. Oh wait 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 wait. So this is the years. Wait, give me the start and give me the end point again. Nineteen ninety one to two thousand thirteen. Their oh, tank, okay. quote unquote, was fifteen to uh, seventeen or fourteen to seventeen. Okay okay. So, um, is it something dumb like zero? It's two. Okay. And yeah, feels right. Freddie Freeman just took Josh Hader yard in the bottom of the eighth. It is now five to four Atlanta. We have uh, a lead in Atlanta. Guillermo Heredia cannot believe it. Freddie Freeman. Oh my God. Absolutely lighting up this crowd right now. You're, you're lit up for sure. I, I'm seeing where the pitch was. And let me say it was just on the black. And by that, I mean, you know, like the little box inside the center of the zone. If you've dried it up into nine quadrants, it is just half and half between the middle of the zone and not the middle of the zone. Ooh. Goodness. That is a bad pitch. He took um, that dead center. Gotta I've, love it. I've loved actually watching a lot of these games on Gamecast and then like having like the radio on which has been great by the way you'll get like the call in and then the pitch will show up where it was in the box the timing's great and you'll be able to see just how terrible some of these pitches are that people take deep um so yeah um i'm really excited to get mlb tv back for next year and i have streamed a couple of their games in other ways but i don't have tv so i don't really watch yeah uh, as, a, as a non-cable guy i understand the uh the correct answer for how many of those 23 seasons the braves had a losing record between 1991 and 2013 two which years uh, that was in 2006, they had 79 wins, and in 2008, they had 72 wins. Yeah, so that's that's a... We, I, the, I get the Brave, it, you know? The Braves are a winning organization, and they have been since, you know, doing their whole uh, winning, the, uh, winning the East every year back in the 90s. So it's I will been say, a... If- if there's one other reason um, that I, I would probably become a Nationals fan in the future, it's that the Expos logo is beautiful and they get to use that as retro stuff and they should do it more. And that's why another reason why I would never want the Rays to go there. But I really do actually enjoy the idea of having to tangentially pay attention to teams like Atlanta that have a lot of fun people that seem like they're mostly well run enough and seem like they want to try because that at least just makes things fun. And, you know, like I can't imagine actually being a fan of someone in the Central Division where it's just like, all right, we can 
kind of suck and still make the playoffs. Like I would want to have to compete competitively year in and year out for the actual playoff spots. So it's kind of wild that both the AL and NL central are just kind of both bad nowadays. Well, it, the, What's the going on with baseball in the Midwest? All the money is, uh, you know, like New York is a huge market, and you have one of those in Los Angeles is a huge market, and you have one of those each, each in both the AL and NL divisions. Um, so yeah, the, the central Chicago is, exists. Yeah, I guess that Chicago is in both of them, but you know the rest of the division is just considerably weaker. Like you, you look at like San Francisco has a lot of money and. The Boston sports market is gigantic, despite the fact that Boston has like eight people in it. <laughs> do, do, do you know how big Boston proper is? I don't. Do you want to give it a guess for how many people live in Boston proper? I'm going to look it up. Nope, nope, no looking. Tell me. Give me your guess. Uh, okay, Go I'm going to guess. All right, so not the Boston metro area, but within Boston city limits. Yes. Uh, 400,000. It's 684,000. Okay, I see. I, I, I overcorrected. Yeah, you did overcorrect. But like, if I hadn't said it, it was tiny, you wouldn't have thought about it. Yeah, no, no I would have. I if you hadn't prepped me with that, I would have said something closer, like 800, 900,000, close to a million. Yeah. Massachusetts has about 7 million people in it. And then you add in like Rhode Island, which I guess they get to claim and a bunch of other stuff. And a lot of people are like properly Boston sports fans that are pretty close. So like, it, it's not crazy. But yeah, I know it, it's crazy, actually, to think that That's Boston wild. proper is tiny also. Yeah. But they get the entire they get the entire New England. My one of my favorite people is from Maine, and he's a huge Boston Red Sox fan. Boston everything, all the sports. I I feel like I don't know that many people. I mean, Matt uh, is Matt Goodwin, who's my co-host on uh, Dugout Study Hall. He's like lives adjacent to and is a a Boston sports fan, Um, and like. I don't know that many people who are like truly like stereotypically cartoonishly Boston for reasons. Um, I didn't really know that many people who had like true reasons to be Boston sports fans who aren't like that either. But, you know, like I feel like dipping my toes into the PL is world is kind of like getting me closer to that. And for the most part, I find them quite funny. I, I, I get why the Bill Simmons caricature exists and to like, it's, it's, a, it's a thing, I guess. But yeah, it's, it's weird to me though. Like, how consistently high payroll so many of the coastal teams are compared to the central. And I don't know. It seems like a problem to me. We should fix that. That's interesting for sure. So without having a team to latch onto growing up, do you have a favorite player? Is there someone who is like stood out to you as I am a Shohei Otani fan. That's where I've kind of settled is I'm a Shohei Otani fan. I don't have like a historical player that like I'm a big fan of. Um, like, like who who would if you're if you learn to love baseball today, like there are so many good options. Who do you call as your favorite player if you started watching baseball in like 2012? Like there Freddie aren't Freeman. that many. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're in those realms, I guess it's like who's the nationally interesting? Like, I remember when Bryce Harper was drafted. Um, and for someone who like is kind of Nats fan curious, I, I like Bryce Harper a lot. <laughs> Still. Um, yeah, I, I'm like, I really, really think that baseball right now is so much better a product than it has been in terms of like what there is to be interested in and than it has been in the past. Like, that's fair. Yeah. So I, I don't 
know who I would possibly even have answered if I had been like way more committed than I have been currently or like for the past few years. Um, yeah. So it's kind of weird to think like in 2005 or so when I paid a good amount of attention because you know, I was watching Astros games when they were playoff competitive. Um, I, I was never that into most of the players cause I didn't consume the product more than like basically playoff time. Cause that's when it was on TV. Um, when the Rangers were good, when I was in high school, Nelson Cruz and Josh Hamilton were the best players. And like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I guess that's who I should have been a fan of was Nelson Cruz. Uh, but you know, it just didn't take for me. Um, uh, cause okay. You, you ready for like a ready to hate Dallas story? As the Will Smith experience is in full effect, a uh, leadoff single by Eduardo Escobar, pinch hitting. And uh, here we go, folks. But let me let me hear your Dallas story. Okay, so 2011, question mark? But I'm pretty sure it was 2011. Um, uh, I was at a high school football game um, during playoff baseball. And uh, the uh, Rangers were playing the Yankees, and I believe the ALDS. And the Rangers swept that series, I believe. But game three of that series um, was Friday night during the football game. And one of the people I went to high school with was wearing a, one of those, like, do you remember, like, the the bear versus, like, the deer shirts that the Rangers were doing back then? Vaguely? Dick Sporting Goods sold a billion of them. Um, There's a person wearing one of those and a Yankees hat at the same time. So, like, they were wearing gear for both teams who were playing each other. That is Dallas sports fans. They Wild. are so ready to buy the gear for the team when they're winning and they are cheering for someone else when they're not. Um, That's wild. Yeah. Um, the one exception to that is that the Mavs have been pretty consistently good. So like they've, I feel like Mavs fans actually are Mavs fans for life. I'm not a Mavs fan. I'm a San Antonio Spurs fan because I was told to watch Tim Duncan, but like Cowboys fans are just dreadful people. <laughs> Rangers fans only exist when the team is good. Um, no one's a Dallas Stars fan because hockey doesn't exist in Texas. And um, yeah, you know, maybe as a result, like I could never be a Rangers fan. Actually, I, I went to high school with Taylor Hearn is in the Rangers rotation and I'm a fan of his. Oh, dang. Huge Taylor Hearn fan. He's a great dude. Uh, you just got so many connections to Major League Baseball right now. Yeah, um, it's, it's weird when you go to a huge public university, uh, you meet a million people that Hearn yeah. did not go to UT. But, you I, know, uh... all the people I know. My graduating uh-huh. class in high school and college was uh, about 125 <laughs> from both. So, yeah. Yeah. I didn't um, have that experience. Now, uh, you mentioned you got into kind of fantasy baseball through a random keeper league. Now, how many leagues do you typically play in nowadays? So, um, I was in the PL league this year. And then, like, I'll be honest, I did not keep up with it as much as I should have. Uh, I was in the podcast league. Kind of same thing. Um the problem is I found that I hate Yahoo and also that oh. I kind of just overwhelmed with myself with the way I want you to do. And I just like kind of fell out of it. Um, this year I paid attention to that ESPN keeper league a lot because I was pretty invested in the, the discord for it. And then I was in like three other leagues. I'll be honest next year. My plan is to find like one dynasty league, do the PL league and actually care about it. And then just draft a million like best ball drafts and just not try to overwhelm best myself. Ball is a year. great way to do I like drafting more than I like managing midseason. I, I have to say it. Um, I just want to watch baseball. I don't want to have to like watch my team. Like I, I don't that. want to be 
like stressing myself out on a Sunday afternoon about whether Kyle Schwarber is in the lineup or not. You know, like I don't. I just want to be able to take it all in and watch the Mets be the Mets and, you know, some other variation on that. Like I find that I don't have to be stressed about this day in and day out, but I can enjoy the sport day in and day out way more fun. So like the idea of writing about the sport as my primary way of caring about it, which is what I did this year. I'll be honest. I, sure. I, I wrote about bullpens full year round and then I just kind of like followed leaderboards and other things that I was like for projects I was working on. But like my teams kind of came secondary to all that. In terms of like I was looking for shortstops because I needed a shortstop in a league. I was right. looking at hitters under 25 who were showing good tools because I was curious about them. Like that's the approach I want to take. So I think, yeah, next year I'll have like probably two, maybe three, but probably like one or two leagues and probably mo- I'm going to try to keep more weekly. Yeah, right, get maybe, yourself some weekly leagues, my man. That, that's been my problem is I've had too many daily leagues. leagues. I, I need to like a couple like once or twice a week. I think I think the idea of just having like a weekly head to toe league and then like a dynasty league that's also like weekly or something like that and then maybe dip my toes into something else that's like more serious and then just like spend about two hundred dollars on best ball draft fees and <laughs> to do for the year. That's probably what I'm gonna do. That's awesome. Uh, now you kind of answer this next one. You I like to ask people about the projects or articles they've been most proud of. You mentioned the ESPN Player Raider. As Will Smith strikes out Willie Adamas for the second out of the inning, I am still just kind of holding my breath here. There is one more out, and this is one more out in the NLCS, is what you're telling me. That is correct, but we are in the midst of the Will Smith experience trademark, so it is nothing is sure until uh, the game is over. So, uh, anything come to mind besides that player raider article, though? Oh, yeah, I have a couple other things that I've gotten started since then. Uh, And it kind of also follows that same sort of path. Find something that's broken, get to work on fixing it. Uh, So one of the things that I think is probably like the thing that I'm still working on in different ways is uh, um, a lot of stuff related to how we talk about hard hit rate, which is kind of like a really insular thing, but also really gotten my blood pressure up at weird points in my life. (laughs) Um, So you know how there are a lot of people who hate data and say lots and lots of bad things about data and sports because their jobs are threatened. Sure. Yeah. Um, those people are mostly not saying anything smart. Unfortunately, I often find myself adjacent to, Oh my goodness. Control yourself. Are you okay? I am holding my breath as we have one more strike for okay. Will Smith. I'll give you a sec here. And we got to O2. Let's go. Yes. There, there we go. go. All right. Okay. Are we, are we better now? <laughs> we Woo! are literally better. Your, your Atlanta Braves are uh, on to the National League Championship Series to probably face the Giants. But maybe not. Um, we'll see that later on tonight. Well, I'm going to follow that much more closely now. That is that is two closeouts tonight. If the Giants can do it, that'll be three series that end on the same night. That is crazy. Yeah, that's um, a lot. I, I wonder when the last time that would have happened. Yep. Oh boy. Okay, now I can focus on actually being a good podcast host and not the uh, not the ball game that is going on. Yeah, man, that was a uh, again another kind of uh, stressless save from Will Smith, which is strange. But you were yeah. talking about hard hit data. Yeah, yeah. Continue. So 
the Luddites are an obvious like enemy, but I, I've actually kind of found that most of like the, the things I take issue with are like the nerds who aren't nerding well enough or who are nerding in actively bad ways. Um, and so one of my like things I've kind of gotten into is just like, how do we better take advantage of kind of like what StatCast has offered? What ways is it kind of like losing much of its promise, but kind of just doing the wrong things? So this whole project about hard hit rate actually got started last year whenever I was like writing an article about how historically awful <laughs> was Altuve had been <laughs> up through like before the playoffs last year. And one of the things I noticed is that um, like in the course of all this, I was like looking at him and was like, oh, his hard hit rate's always been bad. And I realized, oh, that's because he never strikes out and a hard hit rate is contact only. I had been writing and analyzing and listening to bait rates and barrels and all the nice other things people do for like a while at that point. I didn't realize that hard hit rate was exclusively on contact, which because not everyone tries to make the same amount of contact as everyone else is pretty dumb and bad. Um, and pretty much all of the, the stuff that StatCast pushes hardest, like barrel rate or like even like they want to put like Expo Bacon or you know, other bad stats like uh, average exit velocity, which lead to these really really terrible comparisons where not everyone's trying to make as much contact the thing that matters is the net result so fixing that and then finding applications for fixing that has been kind of like one of my ongoing recent projects um i've actually so last year whenever i did that i ran a bunch of like stuff on like hard hit on a per pa basis and uh, lo and behold it's really helpful for a lot of different things it's a nice measure of how consistently someone is like being offensively productive actually normalizes really fast while giving us a lot of information it's basically like if you assume that players can control how hard they hit the ball ish and they also get to control how often they hit the ball but they don't sure. always control exactly what direction they hit the ball it's a great measure of like how consistently someone's putting out power that barrels aren't because barrels are so actually like low outcome like you know it's someone who's really good might have 60 barrels in a year but they'll have like 200, 250 plus hard hit balls in a year. So like tracking the larger sample size number is pretty good. Like all the projects I've basically done have all been like one way or another, just like changing the denominators on something else that someone else did. Hello, me being a math teacher. <laughs> like the ESPN player rater is just like me changing the denominator from like whole season to like per game and then rescaling stuff. Accordingly. It's hard hit is me changing from batted ball events to per PAs and going with that so i've actually like last year i put out like an era estimator alongside that project and i've actually been tuning up recently um and are you, are you familiar with pcra is that something you're like uh Connor Kirkham? Yeah. yeah so that was like the hot cool thing before connor got hired by the astros um and it's still pretty good as a concept and i've been like trying to mess with um like hera is what i'm calling it h-h-e-r-a duh hard you're also hera she's a great goddess person i don't know you're doing great buddy <laughs> yeah i'm just doing my best okay <laughs> but yeah I, I he had he was using some ideas in pcra about like how to make things normalized to league average and small sample sizes that i actually previously played around with when i was trying to make predictions once so i was like cool sounds like a good match and my data showed that hard hit data for pitchers is much more per pa is much more reliable and better for looking at the future than barrel data is so i'm gonna try to beat pcra and I've been working on it. It's not done yet, but it already looks really cool. Uh, that's something I've worked on. I've made like, again, like a whole new fan graphs auction calculator sort of competitor. It's not like online, but like I have all the code for it. It's kind of cool. Like I taught myself to use R doing that. Um, nice. And uh, yeah, I have a couple other things that are uh, coming out 
hopefully this offseason in some different ways. Uh, the new thing that I want to work on and that I put in a tiny amount of work that's looked really promising for is fixing CSW rate because it has some Ooh. problems too. Yeah, long story short. Okay, you the Braves undoubtedly have somebody who like has really bad command but nasty stuff who like doesn't look as good by CSW rate as they possibly could. And then a couple other guys who probably pitched contact for sure and look better by CSW rate than they actually are. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to go with like uh, Max Freed actually induces quite a bit of contact, right? Here. Yeah. Yep. So one of the things I'll, t- I'll take him as a, an example, right? So he gets to 01 really efficiently, right? Good, call, good amount of called strikes oh, yeah. really going after his own, right? One of the things that he'll do though is he'll probably, I can actually, actually, I know this for, for, for sure because i've dealt with him before uh dealt with he's good um is that if you finish your plate appearances faster than other people your csw rate looks better because you get more called strikes in no strike or one strike counts and as a result if you want to develop csw into something that better predicts strikeouts which are the things we care about most when we're talking about pitchers you actually can't do it on a raw pitch number because the people who aren't trying to strike people out will end up with great CSWs because they're getting to 0-1, but they're not trying to get that third strike. When you're in two strike counts as a batter, you like choke up and try not to strike out, right? So the guys who are chasing strikeouts throw more of their pitches in counts that are harder to throw strikes in. As a result, CSW percent, CSW over total pitch numbers for guys who are like elite strikeout arms, don't outpace the like kind of ground ball induced contact approach by that much. And it kind of breaks along the edges. So the best guys, it actually doesn't measure that well. And as a result, it kind of suffers. So one of the ways I've dealt with fixing that is just scaling it to like how many CSW do you earn on the average, like plate appearance um, as a pitcher. And the the results are like significantly better, like way better at predicting feature strikeouts. Um, So, uh, you know, it's not that novel of an idea. Fast, I think I heard that name. I think his name may have been attached to the original. Yeah. So I, I'm along those lines. <laughs> I, I, I'm, it should not be that much harder for me to kind of pair up with some people, the PLs data science team to kind of like actually get more hard data. But, but the long and short of it is that I've done some soft and like not great experiments that have shown that it, it's about as effective at producing like the next month's strikeout rate as this month's strikeout rate. So if you like you put them next to each other, you can use them kind of like in tandem to figure out who should be good that hasn't yet been or who should okay. be bad and maybe is overperforming. But it's like it's not like a one it's not like a by itself number in the same way that like someone's Sierra is. But still like if you're that's really good. Strikeout rates are really good piece of data. So if CSW per PA can help us to kind of correct the edges where the guy has been like really good, but only has like a 24% strikeout rate or maybe doesn't deserve theirs. I think that's where I could fill in. And, you know, I think that could be a cool development. Um, so that's interesting, yeah, yeah, get a couple different projects in those forms. Uh, one ERA estimator, one kind of like strikeout estimator sort of thing. And, you know, we'll, we'll see where else I can kind of like fill in something else. I, I need Man, to find need some more to... things that are wrong. That'll get, I me need going. you to help me fine tune uh, spot. Oh, you're stolen bases. You know, actually, I had this idea the other day, and I, I'm sure you would love to hear me say this, is I'm sure that someone's stolen base opportunities are going to increase if the guys behind them are really patient. Because I noticed as a result of the series, you'll see more people who have obvious stolen base opportunities because like they're in like three, two counts. So it's like 
if the guy behind you is more of like a guy who's setting up the hit and run versus setting up pure stolen base opportunities, that might change your stolen base outcomes. So um, that was just kind of like a thought that I saw because I was watching the probably the Astros because I think yeah, even the Rays. It might have been actually the Rays. I think Randy Arozarena. Um, was on first and he ended up stealing second because it was a three, two count. And it was like um, the guy struck out whoever was batting, but like mm. it was an obvious run count. There was like nothing else you were going to do. So he went uh, because you know, if you don't go, like, what are you doing? Um, so I, it occurred to me that like, if the guy behind you is swinging on the first pitch, you're not going to be able to steal very often. That's true. That's a fair point. So I don't know how many steals that would help anyone figure out per year, but I'm sure it means one or two here and there. Yeah, probably. So, what kind of stuff do you like to do outside of the baseball realm? Hobbies, job, things along those lines. So um, I said that I teach math, and that's mostly true still. Um, so I was a public school teacher. Mostly true. Um, and I stopped being a public school teacher because it's really sad. Um, and as the, uh, as, the son, as the son of two public school teachers, you're right. Yeah. So I, uh, I was teaching the SAT for like a test prep company. I actually got a really cool gig uh, pre-pandemic where like – um, the like uh, grant funding in the DC area was like paying for me to teach my ICT class in like DC public schools, but I didn't have to be a DC public schools teacher. And that was really, really great. I got to do that a bit. Well, I got to teach a couple other classes in the evening. And then more recently I moved to like just like a generic test prep and like general academic tutoring company. And it's okay. The kids are mostly pretty good here in Northern Virginia in terms of like me actually not hating them. There you go. <laughs> you might, when I say that, like, it, it sounds like a joke, but like I have this prevailing opinion that like the kids are generally all right. You know, it's like parents are crazy. Have you met parents? But the kids are mostly good people, and I really enjoy working with both of them. Most of them, I don't really want to teach for much longer. Um, I'm in the business of applying for a law school, which is just you know one of those things people who like baseball do. Um, I hear. Yeah. No thanks. Uh, yeah. I'm. <laughs> I have like tiny bit more i'm gonna show you my applications in this week basically um and we'll see i don't know i i think it'd be really cool to like represent wander franco as a you know like a agent or something like that or help to the mlb because they're not paying their players in the minors enough that sort of stuff excites me also applications that to that fun. outside of baseball so yeah i I'm vaguely interested in that. Um, I have a lot of friends who have kind of like gone off on different career paths, paths and it's always fun to check on what they enjoy and what they don't. And uh, most of the lawyers that I know um, will complain about their job and then they'll tell you about the cool new job they're about to start. And uh, I found that to be a good enough reason. Uh, but yeah, I, um, I do that. I, I play a lot of dumb video games and uh, I play with my cat. That's that's mostly what I do for fun. Uh, your cat, very cute, yeah, sleeping behind you on the cat tree. Uh, real quick, hit me again with uh, what's what's the name of your cat? It is quotation mark, cat, and quotation. <laughs> he literally showed me the color. Ahead it's with a C, of by the, the way. It's not a K. It is, no, it's just it is just, air quotes just cat. cat. It's that's so good. <laughs> on that note, yeah. we're gonna take she a was, quick break. I will, I will say uh, before we get out of here for a break. <laughs> Yeah. She was cappuccino. Um, I was living with a roommate, and cappuccino was my roommate's cat. And I started feeding her and giving her attention, while also derisively not referring to her by her by her real name. And I just never renamed her after I stole her. She's cat. stole your roommate's cat. That's awesome. That sounds like how you get a cat. Well, we are going to take our quick break here, and we will be right back after a word from our sponsor. 
Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PO Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show and we are back now alex we are in the midst of the playoffs the people just heard me react live to the braves making their way to the national league championship series and so naturally let's talk about the off season oh yeah of course i'm i'm already in off season mode we have the pl draft mock draft uh starting up we're here um we're in like the 14th 15th round right now let me find that um i know i'm not on the clock or anything because i'm waiting on other people um but let's see did i draft anyone for a li- i did draft dansby swanson around pick Very 180 nice. for you so i was pretty happy with that um he, he didn't have like an explosively lucky season this season like he did last year uh, in terms of like um really racking up the runs in rbi but yeah i got him yeah the 16th round we're in the 19th so my next pick will be pick number 226 uh see i'm in offseason mode in that regard uh and it's it's nice uh you get to watch playoff baseball while thinking about future non-playoff baseball at the same time uh with no thinking about the orioles in between that's awesome all righty so we just wanted to kind of I got a few big names here for free agents. I just want to get your general thoughts on... Oh, there's Cat. I want to get your general thoughts on some of these guys, uh, what the market might be for them. Give me like a team or two that you think will be in the running for them, etc., etc. Let's start it off with my favorite player in baseball, Frederick Freeman. I, I think there's a one-team market for that man. Um, I, in, in that, you would be wrong. I I, uh, I am very scared of what the Angels are about to offer Freddie Freeman. So, I actually don't think that... Okay, I think about the Angels way more often than I should, because, again, Shohei Otani is my favorite player. Um, and I would really like to watch Shohei Otani play in the playoffs. Um, because everyone deserves to watch Shohei Otani play in the playoffs. Can you imagine him pitching like a game one and then like the entire rest of the series is like, okay, when is he going to come into the game to pitch? What's the deal going to be? How are they going to make this work? Cause it's going to be, be awesome. so chaotic. And I, he'd play the outfield like for sure, like for sure, for sure. He'd play the outfield. I'm, I'm, and Mike Trout would have to be on that team too and, and healthy because they would have made the playoffs and, it's possible that they would also have done other things that are not dumb. It would, I'm not willing to be an Angels fan, but thinking about them a lot does lead me to know what their holes are. They are not going to pay someone to play third base. They are not going to pay someone to play outfield, I think, right now. 
Um, maybe Don't they, they have Anthony Rendon at third base. That's what I mean. Yeah, they're not going to pay someone new to play third base. Oh, they're so not going to pay. That makes, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, they're going to have Trout. They're going to have Adele. I think they would pay someone to pay to play the other corner. I, I guess. Um, but I don't know that they would. They have a couple other people there that I think probably would fill in for now. Um, they have Jared Walsh at first base, and Jared Walsh has been very good. Uh, so I don't think a first baseman is in their future. I do, however, think they will throw big money at at least one, if not multiple, of the impending sh- uh, shortstop free agents. So that's that's my thoughts there. Um, I guess they could also throw money at, at like a catcher. That would make sense. But really, I think they're going to spend it on, on pitching and middle infielders. Uh, I would not worry about Freeman going to the Angels. Now, the question then is, what sort of person does Freddie Freeman want to be? Does he want to be someone who plays in Atlanta? Or would he take $10 million a year over asking to go to like the Yankees or something like that? I don't think he would. I, I think Boston is the other one that scares me. Yeah, actually. Okay, so I think Schwarber goes back to Boston and I think he plays first base for them. Wild. Yeah. Um, and no, I mean, he's been fine there and he's been willing to learn and he's good. Plus they also have Dahlbeck and they have Tristan uh, Casas. They're, they're not going to pay someone to play for a space. Um, Dahlbeck has been pretty good in the second half. Yeah. No, I don't think they're going to play. I don't think they're going to pay anyone to play for a space in the open market. So you cut them. The Rays won't pay anyone, period. Um, the Mets have that position covered if we're going division by division. Uh, the 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 Blue Jays, I think, have a first baseman. Maybe. Okay. Uh, you go to the Central. No one's going to pay <laughs> any money. You go to the West, and we already eliminated the Angels. The Astros do have Yuli Gurriel at like ten million next year, and he's been pretty good. I don't know. Maybe they think about it. But I doubt it. I think they're going to spend elsewhere. Um, I think they're going to spend a lot, but I think they're going to spend elsewhere. And we've already cut the Angels. The A's would never pay anyone. The Dodgers would never pay or don't need to pay for a first baseman. Um, And the Giants probably retain Brandon Belt. Yeah, so I think you're good. I think that's like the question is who's going to pay uh, Rizzo and will the Yankees try, uh, try to trade Luke Voigt? I think that's the first base questions going into the next year. Yeah, I am. I can still see Rizzo going to Boston. That would not surprise me. Um, Anyone leaving that Cubs team has a full right to be a mercenary, as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. They are. They are. They are free agents in the truest sense. Oh yeah, especially you know after how they've kind of like approached all of them. It's like I feel bad that Rizzo didn't like choose to sign his deal for them because he would have made a lot of more a lot more money um six months ago than he's going to make on the free agent market this winter um but if he can get himself a nice contract you go somewhere with a stable situation where like you know it's good for him park wise he wants to be and he plays well i could see him having a good year and like rehabbing his value um so i'm cheering for rizzo because everyone should cheer for rizzo Um, absolutely i actually would really really like it if Rizzo um, signed like a rehab your value um, contract with like the Marlins and we got to see like Ooh. Rizzo Freeman and division all the time, because I love watching them play against each other. That um, is an interesting, I uh, one interesting call. I could see that happening too. 
Yeah, that's, and that's interesting. They they've had some issues where like when they got sold, the Marlins uh, that is, and when they got sold, they had to like pay back so much of their like debt immediately as part of the terms of their sale, which like nobody ever has to do. So they were in this huge financial hole compared to everyone else, and they're coming out of that soon. And they really need headers. God, they need yeah. headers so bad. Yeah. Um, and the pitching they're is gonna amazing, have but boy, oh boy. So yeah, it would be very smart of them in my opinion, to give him like a, a one year slightly a one or two years slightly above value deal. Um, and just see what happens. Um, because you know, he like, you know, give him, um, like a, a player option on year two. Um, yeah, uh, yeah I think that that'd be a really good deal for both yeah. options where I, he's like, I like that call a lot. My, my, my team for Rizzo was Boston, but I really, I think, Miami would be really interesting. See, I don't really care to predict where people actually will go. I want to think about where I want them to go. And I want That's fair. Rizzo to have a ton of fun in Miami. <laughs> where do you want Max Scherzer to go? He's probably the most... He will probably I want him back on the Nats, but I don't actually want him back on the Nats. Does that make sense? It does. He'll yeah. probably get the most per year of any starting pitcher. Um, though he will be going into his age 37, 38 season. Cares. No one cares. He's Max Scherzer. Have you seen his eyes? He's not human. <laughs> okay, actually, Max Scherzer is the only baseball player I own a jersey for. Max Scherzer is also the MLBPA like player rep with the highest rank. He's not like the union president, but like he is functionally the highest ranking union member. Um, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, he's been a part of that team, and he's been a part of that team being much better at doing their union job than they did when they negotiated the previous CBA by like a couple orders of magnitude. So uh, he is putting in so much work right now. And I want him to basically get a Chris Paul style deal where you just get hella money because you enabled yourself to get hella money by being a good friend in the union. So I would like him to go back to the Dodgers next year. Um, I could legitimately see like Dodgers two years, 70, 80 million. Yeah, no, I, I think that's what he deserves. And I want him to really, really push up the the luxury tax limit to enable it to happen. That's my best case scenario. That'd be awesome. Yeah, no, I, I think Dodgers is a good call on where that might happen. Uh, Robbie Ray might be the American League Cy Young winner out of nowhere. No one predicted that. Um, and now he is a free agent. He He is... He has had his best season of his career at the best time. He's someone's about to pay him. Let's talk about that. Who do you think it might be? So, um, a thing that I don't think a lot of people are aware of. Um, do you know how big the uh, Toronto Blue Jays play- payroll is? I have no idea. Okay, so I was looking at this up earlier today because I was trying to figure out, you know, like where people stand as of right now. the The Blue Jays have 150 million dollars in payroll this year. That makes them about tenth. Huh. That is a considerable amount more they could spend next year. Um, and like still reasonably in a good spot because like their revenue is going to be fine. They make a ton of money. Um, Toronto's a huge market and they have like the entire rest of Canada's like media rights basically. Um, yeah. And they're fun and they're good and people are going to buy merch and go to their games. They didn't have like fans in their stadium basically this year. Like they're going to be able to spend more next year. Um, also, if you're Robbie Ray, do you want to go to another team that is going to tell you to pitch slightly differently or do you want to stay in the confines that helped you become better you have legitimate reason to want to stick with people who have done good for your value because it probably helps you out long term it's probably 
a good place to be. I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, does he want to be in Toronto? I don't know. But like Toronto's a cool city. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he probably sticks around. Um, Toronto in the playoffs also as, as a place like one of the things I do very, very familiarly remember. And one of the reasons I am, uh, I, I would say the only good memory I have of being a Texas baseball fan that is not necessarily a Rangers baseball fan, but is a baseball fan in Texas is watching the beautiful, beautiful Rugnit Odor punch. And I know what precipitated <laughs> that. And I want more of what precipitated that. I want more angry Toronto baseball playoff fans because that is that is something we deserve. So, yeah, Robbie Ray, please go back to the Blue Jays. Please win the division next year with them. That would make me very happy. I like it. I think uh, the Angels will definitely be interested, but I would like to see him go back to Toronto. If, um, I'm a, if I'm a pitcher, I don't know why I would go to the Angels. Like, they have shown me nothing long-term about, like, their ability to staff a competent, like, coaching staff to keep my arm healthy and to keep my long-term value intact. Um, have you seen, have you seen the Onion article? Tens of millions of dollars is the answer to that question. Have you seen the they Onion are... article that's like, uh, Shohei Otani regrets not Googling which baseball teams were got good before playing with Angels? Yeah, I just think about that all the time. And yet, here I am. He's my favorite. Here's a quick one for you. Um, the, the answer for... Where do you want him to go and where do you expect him to go is the same. Clayton Kershaw should be back in a Dodgers uniform next year. I, I hate to say this, but him getting hurt basically like solidifies that. Um, he, he got a PRP injection. He's not getting TJ. Uh, I think that means that like the terms of everything are just like go back to them and they'll take care of you. Correct. It's actually interesting is the Dodgers as a team at the way they function are like like they're the most equipped and most likely to do that where it's like, we're going to pay you a fair amount because of, we know what you are worth to this franchise and we can afford to do it because the luxury tax is fake anyway. And we can just like do whatever we want. Cause we print money. We have all the pitchers as well. It's like, who needs a first round pick whenever you can scout as well as they can. Like, exactly. Like are their second round talents going to develop better than other teams will if they just have, pay their minor leaguers enough that they can eat you know um that's actually like one of the weird things about having a lot of money is like there are a lot of really obvious places where you can just be better than other teams if you're willing to spend it properly like giving people a place to live and a nutrition program and like good coaches and facilities when they're very young is a good way to make sure that you can basically just deal with the fact that whatever the luxury tax will do to your like draft picks or like international allocation money just won't matter anymore and yeah so i think the dodgers are the only super rich team that are actually aware of that right now and when we're talking about teams that we're willing to cheer for i could not be a dodgers fan because i do not live in los angeles and it just feels like cheering for the lakers in the very similar sort of way but if i have to like pit teams against each other i'm very happy for them to continue to win because it seems like it's good for baseball that's fair uh Going to the division rivals, Kevin Gosman has been awesome for San Francisco this year. Again, another great performance from a pitcher who is ready to be, to hit the free agent market. This is a guy that I absolutely see going down to LA to the angels and leading their staff. So one of the weird things about him is he's been like everywhere over the past yeah. like couple of years, right? So he was yeah. he was an Oriole. He was a very high Orioles draft pick. And then we Atlanta. dealt him to y'all. Um, yeah. And then he was mediocre and then bad there, right? 
Uh, he was okay, and then he was bad, and then he was okay again. Yeah, yeah, yeah which, which happens. And then I'm trying to track him. Where, where did he go after that? Did he go to Cincy after that? I feel like it was something like that. That sounds right. Let me pull it up real quick. Yeah, I'm, we should have done right. this. Yeah. The thing about, you know, like just twiddling your thumbs with a bunch of bad organizations is I don't think it makes you want to go to a bad organization all that badly when, and this is important, the Giants are going to have money to spend. Um, That's true. They, they are going to have some money to spend next year because they actually get a couple contracts off the books. Uh, Brandon Belt's going to come off the books in terms of his big money. Uh, I think he goes back on a, on a smaller deal. Um, yeah. Um, technically, Bryant's money is part of their payroll, and even if he goes back, I think he goes back. Um, Ooh. It, it won't be a significant increase in, in pay. Like they have a lot of old guys who could like do this, that sort of stuff. And they have the room and I think the ability to increase their payroll. So like they could very conceivably keep pretty much everyone and add a piece. Yeah. Like it's insane. Like they are, they are doing what the Rays kind of pretend they were doing in that. Like they actually have some money and they have been willing to acquire people who are, cost money for their services while also doing a lot of the other things like you know telling people how to be good resting according to like real research and all of the other good stuff so it's like what if we just ran a baseball team well with a good payroll is is the answer and i think there are some people who rightfully hate them because they've been successful and have beaten their teams and there's also some like is what they do to relievers and what everyone who's good does to relievers kind of a little bit icky yeah i guess but I think they're a team that if I had been kind of like geographically conscripted into being a fan of theirs, I'd probably enjoy it quite a bit. Oh, yeah, for sure. I've got a buddy who we grew up together in central Illinois, and he is a Cubs and Giants fan, like loves both of them. And he's having a great old time right now. Um, yeah, you were right. <laughs> on one that. success went- for the other. Baltimore, Atlanta, Cincinnati for half a season, and then San Francisco. You were right for Gosman. Well done. I do think that if he does leave the Giants, it's probably to another like actual contender of some sort, and we'll see who that is. But like again, I I think the Angels probably have a little bit of free agent like problems for a while just because Artie Moreno's crew have not shown themselves to be good at like managing a team in a way that like you know, like you can assemble talent. But like if you're like losing wins on the margins because, you know, like if, if you've like been paying attention to any of the stories coming out about like um, free like the the minor league conditions there in particular, like it's supposed to be like one of the worst minor league situations. And the result of that, which is it's just so horrific to say out loud, because like it's harder to develop there as a prospect because you don't have a nutrition program. You don't have a place to live. You can't yeah. put on weight to improve as a power hitter if you're eating 7-Eleven food because it's all you can afford. And that's where they're at. And it's just really, really stupid decisions like that that treat people like trash that lead them to being a, a poor franchise. Um, the Angels, I fear, are going to reap the consequences of it for a while because I don't think Artie Moreno like, fully gets some of that stuff. Um, they're willing to spend payroll wise enough to compete but i don't think they're willing to do the sort of like how to actually run a business well like on a human level to to win and uh, i would love for them to prove me wrong but i don't think they will do that unless someone forces them to that's totally fair and then we run into the 
one of the best shortstop classes for free agency I have seen in years. Five all-star shortstops. Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, Javi Baez, Marcus Semien, and Trevor Story are all free agents going into this offseason. Let's start with Correa. Okay. So the Correa situation is interesting in that, like, the Astros had seemingly not done enough to really fully convince them to want to stay uh, because they just not offer enough. The Astros also have this problem where they've had a cornerstone free agent leave in like a couple of successive years. You know, they had Springer leave last year and then Cole leave before that. Um, I do not know who the team is going to be willing to let walk. I think they did this year, though, is they stayed under the tax line. Um, so no matter what the new tax rolls under the CBR, they're going to have, be able to spend with impunity this upcoming year. Their owner, uh, Jim Crane, does seem like he's willing to spend. And they are also going to have a couple guys come off the payroll. Um, Verlander will come off the payroll at like 35. Greg, he's going to come off at about 35. Yeah. They're going to have money to spend. For sure. Um, and I think I think they I think they uh, they throw it at Korea. Um, so I'm I'm putting Korea back in Houston. I don't think most people are. I just think the circumstances are aligning, and I think he's read the read the situation very well to be able to extract a lot of money out of a place that really has incentive to want to keep him. Um, I think Seager leaves the Dodgers. I think there's just no way he goes back there. Um, it would be a really good fit for someone like him to land somewhere like or in Seattle. I just think there's no way he goes to Seattle after how they've treated other Seekers in the past. Um, so I think think Seeger probably um I think Seeger probably lands on a team that needs to throw money at a player and is willing to take on some risk because of his health um <clears throat> Yankees yes I think Seeger to the Yankees makes all the sense he also makes a lot of sense going to the Phillies that's the other one I think yeah. Yankees and Phillies are both going to sign one of these five. Oh yeah for sure for sure, for sure, for sure. For it, big Seeker's, Seeker's a lefty, right? Am I, am I hallucinating that? I believe that's correct. Both of those teams need to sign a lefty shortstop. That is like imperative that they bat, they, they sign a bats lefty throws ready shortstop, basically. Um, or however that, yeah, I guess the throwing doesn't matter that much, but I'm sure that's how that actually works in real life. Um, you can't play shortstop and throw left-handed. Yeah, I, I don't think you can. Um, <laughs> I was like, right, am I, am I hallucinating that? No. Nope, yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah, I, I mean, like, those are the two places that are the best to be a left-handed hitter in the world. Um, and they both have a lot of money and they both desperately need to improve their situations. If you're a lefty yep. shortstop, you gotta go to one of those teams cause they both have holes there. Um, so yeah, I, I think, yeah. I think that I like, uh, I like Seager staying in or, or, or let Correa staying in Houston. I think that's a good call. Um, Seager to New York just makes way too much sense for it not to happen. Yep. Um, what's what I think would be interesting. Mm -hmm. So what's going to be fun is watching to see which of these guys blinks first and signs. Yeah. Because I, I think it's going to be a while too. I think all of them are going to be waiting. Yeah. And, all of them are going to be in this massive game of chicken trying to figure out who, who's going to set the uh, kind of set the market. I could legitimately see if Correa ends up in, in another place, massive money thrown at Trevor story to go to Houston. 
that's an intriguing idea to me. So another part of this is that um, Houston, more than like literally everyone else, like is fanatical about people not striking out. Um, you can say what you want about trash cans, but like since then, like they are Alex fast. You may have heard him. Uh, I, I'll admit I know he is at this point. Uh, made a comment <laughs> yesterday about how they like lead the league this year, both home and away, basically identical numbers in swinging strike rate. And when I bugged him about chase rate, they are absolutely hey. fanatical about people not striking out. Everybody in that lineup is a great contact hitter. And Correa fits the bill enough. Um, I would really bet that if you had to pick one of those other guys to fill in there, uh, it's not going to be Javi, Javi Baez. Then. Nope. <laughs> He's not going there. <laughs> there is no way that Javi Baez goes to Houston. Um, so I just want to say that's, that is, I think, one of the funniest sort of like, if you have to pick, it's not him. And we don't know who else it's going to be. Now, Semyon's part of this market as well. Um, and Semyon, I think, stays in Toronto just to kind of like close a hole. I think he stays there. They're going to throw money at him because they have, um, I, I think, got enough goodwill there. Um, and, you know, I think they know they have to. But um, that's kind of like the inkling that I've kind of seen coming. I think Detroit signs someone as well. Um, Ooh. Thing is, Detroit doesn't have like an obvious shortstop coming up. They don't have an obvious shortstop on their roster who's good enough to help them compete in the central. The arms are coming up, so they need to start trying to compete. And Torkelson looks just stupid good. It's going to be yeah. Mickey's last season as well, or maybe not last. Maybe he's got two more years, like in the le- in the big leagues. But he's he's creeping up there. I think they go for it this year in terms of like off season spending to a degree for. Uh, for, for hitters in a couple different positions. And I think that uh, signing a big shortstop kind of the same way the Padres signed Machado, but not quite where that's like, why are you signing with them? They're not good. Um, is quite a likely um, outcome because Torkelson's going to be really good. Have you, have you seen anything that he's been doing in it's, uh, minors? It's silly. Yeah. Him, Riley Green looks really well, good for them as well. I'm, I'm glad I follow some prospect writers who care about the Tigers because it'd have been fun to watch them mash against you know, people I've never heard of in parks that look like they cost $8 to build. Um, Cause <laughs> the highlights are just so fun. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think they signed someone. I don't know if it's Javi, um, but like I, again, I, I think that all of those former Cubs are just going to be absolute mercenaries. Um, I, I'm really interested to know if the, the, the Mets are going to try to play in that whole game, but yeah, so let's rattle them all, rattle them all off there and I'll, I'll sign someone that's like just a hat pull for all of them. I said, Correa in Houston, we put Seager in New York story. Yep. Um, I'm going to put story in Philly then. Okay. Um, and then I like uh, it. You got Andrelton. We, got, we haven't talked about Semyon at all yet. Yeah. I put Semyon in Toronto, Andrelton Simmons. Where are we putting him? Um, Andrelton Simmons. Well, Brandon Crawford is a free agent, and here's the thing: I think one of these five goes to oh, San Francisco. I'm really curious to know what they're going to try to spend money on, because you know, you know, they're they're going to spend someone money on someone, and it, it would not shock me if Simmons is the sort of guy who went there because they could pay him a good amount of money. Maybe think they can get more out of his bat than someone else has previously got. Sure, and that would make an, that would make enough sense there. I guess. Um, yeah, I th- I could see them picking up Marcus Semyon in San Francisco. Ooh, you know, actually, I could see Story going there too. That's another good call. I think um, Story going there would make a lot of sense. I think. 
here are my predictions. I, I just wrote them down so I could kind of get all my get all my eggs in a row here, and I'm changing one last minute. I'm flipping two of them. Okay. My predictions. I'm gonna have Correa in Philadelphia. Okay. Seager in New York with the Yankees. Baez in Toronto with Bo Bichette moving to second base. Okay. Uh, Semyon goes to San Francisco and Story goes to Houston. I don't think that is crazy. I think I... Baez in Toronto would be awesome because that's a free swinging offense. Let him just do his thing and play gold glove defense. It's not the craziest thing I've heard. I also do think that Bobichet probably does move off of shortstop. So that's that makes sense. Um, I really do think, though, that we're going to see at least one of these guys, though, um, get a huge contract to a team that did not win half of their games this year. So that's um, a fair that's a fair guess. I, yeah, I, I don't I, think that means change yeah. your predictions, though. And that's the thing is like, I know this is going to get crazy and I'm not sure what direction I if you actually had to pick a, a thing, I guess. Not putting Baez in Toronto makes a lot of sense because they do have someone else they can kind of play at shortstop, and they could probably find someone else to play second base. But I'm really, I really want to see where this goes because that's the thing is like the dominoes are gonna be fun, and it kind of leads me into another offseason prediction I have, which is that we're not gonna have 162 games next year, um, one way or another. Yeah. Oh no, I, I know which one way it is, and the one way is that the owners are not going to agree to the terms the players are going to ask of them because the owners are asking for basically to pay less money next year yeah that's um it's very stupid um and i a thing that i am actually quite comfortable saying is that i'm going to be very carefully kind of watching which people who write about fantasy sports say some really really dumb things about how the players just need to accept whatever they're given and go play next year because i can make sure to block them because i don't want, don't want to deal with that um it's I'm the sort of person who tends to follow what people have to say about the Hall of Fame because I think the Hall of Fame is important because I think it's a really good reveal of your values and how you yeah. think about things. Uh, and the way that we're going to talk about this impending lockout is another one of the things except I think more important by like a factor of 10. So, yeah, I mean, like I actually do care what people have to say about that. The, the issue is important. And I expect we're going to see some just really, really record setting, terrible takes from some people. And, oh, for sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's like a lock that we're going to see some people saying like, the, you know, all sorts of like you know, the players just needs to get back out there already or whatever. I cannot wait actually for that. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be, gonna be nice it's, it's, it, Twitter is going to be a mess. Uh, my, my prediction though is that we, I think they play a hundred games next year, but um, that's fair. I, I think I was putting I'm I'm putting it at ninety. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that that. But I, there's no way we play 160. No, and I th I don't I don't. My prediction: I think we play ninety next year, and I don't think we play 162 games ever again, Ooh. because I think part of the CBA is going to be a shorter season. Interesting. Or uh, like the same 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 time. Start in April, end in October, but more uh, more off days. See, I I don't think that either side will go for that. I think both both sides are probably going to be pretty willing to do whatever they can to maximize revenue in that way. The things I think they're actually going to fight about um, that are actually going to be kind of worth watching. Um, they're going to fight about playoff format 
Um, mm-hmm. And that's something that owners mm-hmm. really want is they want more playoff games. Um, yep. And part of the reason they want more playoff games, and you've already seen the kind of like the way that Cleveland approached this recently, is because if more teams make the playoffs, then the bar for what you need to spend to get into the playoffs goes down. And that's something that players are going to be very carefully watching because that will hurt player spending. Uh, more, there yeah. might be more revenue, but that does not mean that there's more incentive to spend. So um, that is going to be something they fight over. They're going to fight over uh, the luxury tax. The luxury tax, when they negotiated previously, was kind of low, and then revenue exploded. And they didn't set it to uh, any sort of inflation marker tied to revenue. That was a big mistake, a very, very stupid mistake. I don't know if you've followed the do – you, do you care about the NBA at all? I uh, do not, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. Do you hear about the NBA and trickles from people ever? Enough. To, okay. Do you, enough do you remember when? Be do you remember when Kevin yeah. Durant went to the Warriors? Yes. The reason that happened is because the uh, the like um, salary cap in the NBA was tied to revenue increases, and there was a huge spike in revenue, and then suddenly teams basically could all spend about twenty five million dollars more a year. The Warriors because they did just a little bit of maneuvering, were able to create enough space for Kevin Durant to basically get out of thin air without any other maneuvering because the revenues were going up. And that's just how their CBA worked. There were some like agreements about revenue smoothing that the teams didn't and the players didn't agree to, blah, blah, blah. But basically, though, the NBA is a really well-run league on both the ownership and player side in a way that they keep themselves aligned. And a lot of things I want are actually things that the NBA generally does well um, because I just want them to the MLB to like function bare minimum standard of competency. Uh, but yeah, the players really screwed up last time. Like it's, it's really a mess how bad the CBA is and a lot of like really, really crucial and obvious to a person who has any idea like how a contract should work. And I yeah. did not go to law school. <laughs> it's just like that's how money works. Um, inflation happens and uh, TV revenue inflation is happening much faster. So, um, and also new new forms of revenue and inflation. Uh, gambling revenue is about to be a big thing. Yeah. For better and for worse. So that's going to be something they fight about for sure. Um, we're going to see a couple of things like the DH shouldn't be a fight. They're going to fight about it anyway. It just comes like a proxy war just because they hate each other. Yeah. And, you know, minor we're probably gonna see, I don't even know if minor leagues get fought over. Um, oh boy, I sure hope they do. I, I think some players put pitch in, but I, I I would really expect that there's going to be something about Sermer's time, but I don't know if there's going to be anything about minor league pay. Hmm. My perfect world, the things that they are fighting over are obviously those things. Um, I'm, I'm sitting here as a record wearing my unionized the miners t-shirt. Uh, shout out to the Tipping Pitches podcast. Um, so, yeah, um, I definitely, definitely know where my priorities are in those th- sort of things. I think that um, it'd be cool if there were a salary floor. Um, I would just like to see like the minimum salary guarantee increase, uh, you know, from like 560 to like considerably more than that. So yeah. that the teams at the very bottom have to spend more. Um, and I don't know, a dream thing of mine actually would be like, um, a, like a two track, um, like way for like when players enter the league, um, you can either sign someone to a higher guaranteed salary um and for more years so it's like you know that adley rushman's about to come up well his minimum salary is going to start at like 2.5 million or something like that but you get seven years of team control or whatever or if you're someone who's like more of like a marginal prospect you have something that's closer to the current minimum salary but you reach free agency faster that's an interesting way to think about it i like yeah. that yeah so that that way you know like um i, I think that it, it would uh, 
and, and here's the thing. I think that the the teams would have to like, you know, you only get a certain number of one or the other year, I think. Maybe maybe it's like you get a certain number of like the, the high value players every year that you get to pay. I don't know exactly how I would imagine that, but I think you want to make it so, so that like teams have to pay some players more who are obviously producing more. So like Chris Bryant isn't winning the MVP making $600,000 a year. Right. I think that's a big important thing for me. So, I okay. like it. So. Nice. Well, that's about what we had for that section. Let's move on now to our mailbag. And we kind of already started with that. But a large portion of the podcast is devoted to answering your questions on the air. So if you have questions for me and my guests, uh, you can tweet them to me directly at Bristowski or better yet, join our PL Plus Discord server. Now, our first question was from my favorite lawyer, Dave German who was asking your thoughts on labor issues, uh, the odds of the 162-game season. We just covered all of that in detail. So there you go, Dave. There's you, your Dave. answer. Uh, the next one I think is another really interesting question from our one of our podcast managers here. Adam Howe wants to know, what markets would you like to see MLB expand into with new and or relocated teams? Okay, so I'm not just going to answer that question. I'm going okay. to say, in my perfect world, I want baseball's divisions to realign into four divisions of eight. Um, I want us to abolish the National League and the American League because we're all, they're all going to have the same rules. And I want four geographic divisions. The top four, so the division winners all automatically qualify. And then the top eight other teams make like a big wild card round. So it's kind of like the NFL old playoffs, but like, you know, like four pods. Okay. So does that sound crazy enough for you? So basically like I'm here you have for four it. Divisions. You have a West division, South division, a Midwest and a Northeast. And here's how this would break down. Then the West division is like the entire NL West plus the non Texas teams in the AL West. So that's uh, Dodgers, angels, giants, Padres, Mariners, Rockies, A's and um, diamond max. The A's yep. want to move, but they would still be in the same division if they moved to Los or, or to Las Vegas. Sure. They're dumb for moving. I hate that, but whatever. So that's the West Division. And in that division, you'd have multiple like financial heavyweights who would like push each other to win every year. And you have, yeah, like, it'd be a really competitive and crazy division. Uh, I like it. In the Northeast, uh, Boston, Toronto. Um, both New Yorks. Yeah, both New Yorks. Philly, Baltimore the nationals and Montreal. Good. Yeah. So that, that'd be like an expansion team for me as I want Montreal in there. Um, like it. Cool. Uh, the Midwest is going to get a lot of the central teams, but my thought there would be that with more of the big money people there, they'd be forced to like have a higher floor for competition. So that's going to have both Chicago's um, Minnesota, Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Cincinnati, and Cleveland. So that would have more of the bad teams. And that does worry me, but just geographically, that's reality. But if you got yeah. both Chicago's there, and then like a couple other, like Detroit should ha be able to throw Detroit in there. Yeah, yeah, that helps. I just think that you wouldn't be able to have Cleveland getting away with spending less, Milwaukee getting away with spending less. So I also think that like it'd be really chaotic to have both Chicago teams in the same division finally. So that'd be really fun. Um, and then finally, the South Division, which is just the real wacky everything else. And there's some yep. fun upsides to this one. Okay. So you get both of the Texas teams. Um, okay. You get Atlanta. You get Miami. You get Tampa Bay. So you get all the Florida teams. You get Texas and Florida. 
you have Kansas City and C- and St. Louis. So St. Louis doesn't and T- Kansas City don't get to join the Midwest, but geographically they're the people who get lost in that shuffle. And also, I just think making Cardinals fans suffer is kind of fun. And finally, <laughs> you get Nashville. I like Nashville as a, as a good expansion. expansion. So I think those four geographic pods make the most sense. And I think it makes just enough people who don't particularly care for angry that it'd be really, really fun. Um, so, yeah. Um, how angry would that make people, you know? Oh, livid. Absolutely <laughs> livid. I mean, if you as, as someone who lives in the South, not born here, but uh, relocated, uh, if you ask someone who these like what baseball team they root for everyone from the Carolinas through Alabama through everywhere else is an Atlanta Braves fan. And so a South division is almost sacrilege to, to that whole concept of there is one team in the South. Yeah. Which is also really (laughs) stupid because like, where's the best college baseball conference? It's the SEC. Why? Because everyone yep. in the South plays baseball. Where do they yep. like the fact that Tennessee doesn't have a team is just so dumb to me. Like it's very silly. Yeah. It. I feel like like Tampa Bay could re- relocate to Nashville tomorrow, and like that would make sense to me. Um, yeah. Like and they won't. Um, they won't. But like, like Tampa Bay does not need to relocate. To be clear, um, you might recall what that, what, what what they need to do is move the stadium from St. Petersburg to Tampa. Yes. yes <laughs> That's what needs to happen. You might recall that, that there were two other professional sports teams in that city that have both won championships in the past, like, year and change. Yep. Right? The Lightning are two-time repeat Stanley Cup champions. Yeah. The Buccaneers might win another Super Bowl. I don't, I don't know anything about it, Phil. Um, the Rays, like... The thing that where they're pretending to not have any money, it's because they don't retain any marketable players and their stadium's in a bad place and it's ugly. Like I as someone who has been to the trop, uh for one, it is literally forty minutes or like forty five minutes from downtown Tampa. Across a like two or three mile bridge. Getting there from Tampa is not easy. Um, and the stadium itself is... It, it, it's I mean, akin to being in a... I don't care that much about a, stadiums uh, in, as long as I can get there. Yeah, the, the the stadium itself is akin to being in like a early 2000s, late 90s mall. There's a term for that. In, in the worst way. Yeah, think, <laughs> look, just serve some good beer, serve some decent food. And make sure people get to your games. People go. Um, yeah. Like, Kenny Yards is beautiful. But the reason I go back is because it's easy to get there. Mm-hmm. And it's cheap to go there and have fun. Like, Orioles attendance has not been great. But when the Orioles are, like, fun to watch in some sort of way, people go. And they'll make money. Um, the problem the problem is, like, what are you marketing and what are you doing? The Rays are good. But, like, who do they have on that team that any kid could be a fan of? And which parent is going to drag them to that game? That's the problem. Yeah. Um, you know, if you if you put a stadium in a really annoying part of Nashville to be in, who's going to go to that either? Um, so. Yeah. And we'll see. In my um, uh, in my out of the park baseball um, fictional league, I put a team in Memphis. So I think there's it, it's it's a missed opportunity for 
Atlanta to be the only Southern team. I also have a team in um, New Orleans in that game as well. So I'm not as sure about the viability. Of that. I mean, like San Antonio could have a baseball team. Oh yeah, I, New Orleans is a bit of a stretch. To be fair, that yeah. that city is literally drowning. Um, yeah, but like you put a, you put a baseball team somewhere in San Antonio or Austin. Like if you yeah. moved the Rays to Austin, that'd be viable. Yeah, um, people go. Um, just make sure it has make sure it's or covered even just move them to uh charlotte yep no like carolina the, the, the south could ha- house so many teams um i'm not saying that we should move the race either actually i think the race should stay put and i think major league baseball th- should kind of like call them out for their nonsense i think oh. they should move to tampa yeah um actually uh. like a prediction that I sort of have about labor and all this is that I think that the teams have significantly more adverse incentive than the players do. And I think the big money teams are probably going to turn on the smaller money teams in a more significant way because it's teams like Tampa who are successful without paying into the sport, basically who are reaping most of the benefits right now and teams like the Yankees who have underperformed despite the fact that they could be outspending by considerably more will have a reason to be okay with the players winning a little bit more. That's fair. Cause they would benefit. And you know who almost always has more leverage in these situations? It's the wealthier teams. So we'll see if the Steinbrenners like want to hang on, but I would not be surprised if especially if there's a lockout, if there's more infighting between the, uh, the owners. So it's up to Max Scherzer and co to keep everyone on the same page about that possibility. And then I cannot wait for New York media to see how they turn. I'm sure they'll turn on the players, but if Steve Cohen can just be radioactive enough and the Sunbringers can say (laughs) something just stupid enough, I think we can do it. It could be, it could be awesome. Now, uh, last question I have for you, really hard hitter here that I, you know, Parents, if you have children listening, let's uh, just cover their ears real quick. Uh, our good buddy Chris Weber wants to know, does Ale- the existence of Alexander Chase imply the existence of Alexander Flea? Oh, yeah. We live in a simulation. There are all things. <laughs> Your out-of-the-park league is reality for someone. That's a fantastic answer. And that's our show. <laughs> Any uh, closing thoughts for you here, bud? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not afraid to say that I hope the Astros make the World Series over the Red Sox, and um, yeah, I hope the Giants win the World Series. I yeah, I mean, I would not be upset at all with the Giants winning the World Series. I, I, I think the the result out of the playoffs I wanted most. F besides the Braves continuing to win was the Giants beating the Dodgers because that would be just an awesome sports story. I think it's just funny. Like again, I'm happy it, to yeah, see no, the that, Dodgers I agree. win it's because funny. they spend a lot of money, and um, I think that's good. And if they lose, they could spend even more money. Who knows? That made me funny. But you know, the Giants beating them is just really funny because you know Lamonte Wade's going to play a big role in that. Do you know how they acquired they, him? Yeah, no he one, was on the Twins roster last year, just not doing anything. No one expected the Giants to do anything this year, and the fact that they've been the best team in baseball is fantastic, and I love it, and I want them to continue being success, successful. Um, you may remember that, that two years ago, the Nationals had a um, one-game hole 
going into game four and then when last the last two games to beat the dodgers in the uh nl um ds before uh just beating up on the cardinals in the nlcs to make the world series so uh, i'm really interested to see how this all goes i think team beats the dodgers and then wins the world series against the astros is always a fun time um so yeah yeah that's always good although you know whoever comes out of that dodgers uh giant series does have to contend with playoff charlie morton giant sweep and then lose all of their home games in the world series no no if they lose all their home games in the world series then they can't win that that doesn't work correct okay well We'll see how this goes. But I'm just like <laughs> trying to track the Nationals' path to the World Series, and it doesn't quite work, but it's close. It doesn't quite funny. work. Good stuff. All right, well, one more time, where can people find you on Twitter? I'm at Chase underscore rate. And, Fantastic. Uh, do anything else online, so I'm just on Twitter. Awesome. Oh, I should Thank say, so I should also oh, plug, I have a podcast that is not this one. Um, yeah, we, yeah. Should, we should we should bring you on there at some point. I don't know. Do you you want to talk? We should talk about stolen bases, actually. That'd be really fun. So I, yeah. I dug out Study Hall is my podcast with uh, Matt Goodwin. Uh, We're also on the Pitcherless Podcast number, Network. We'll be every other week during the offseason. We've got a bunch of fun stuff that we got to talk about on our, on our docket. So I'm, I'm excited to see where we go. Yeah, bring me on. I'd love to do it. Being a podcast uh, guest is for me more fun than being a host it's so much less pressure and i just get to say things and then not have to defend myself it's great mm-hmm. it's great all righty well for alexander chase and myself austin bristow thank you all for listening this has been on the list mm-hmm.